All right, good evening. Appreciate being out tonight. We are going to continue our study in the life of Christ. Uh, if you would like to follow along in the Bible, we'll be in Matthew chapter 24 tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. And we'll be, actually, we'll be in Matthew 24 for the next couple of lessons. Uh, we're going to slow down a little bit and uh, take a look at this chapter, a uh, very important chapter uh, in, uh, well, in Matthew's uh, gospel. It's also found in Mark and Luke, and so we're going to examine it as well. And uh, I think uh, maybe Eddie will be passing out the curriculum here in a, mo in a moment. Uh, but again, um, we'll be in Matthew chapter 24. If you were with us on Sunday morning, we went back to the book of John, uh, John chapter 12, and we noticed... Uh, some things that had happened there as far as, um, uh, again, we are on that Tuesday, uh, the last Tuesday of Jesus' life, and we, we noticed that there were some Greeks, some Gentiles, they come, they're seeking out Jesus, they want to talk to Jesus, and of course, uh, they came to Philip, Philip really didn't know what to do, so Philip went and got Andrew, and then they both went to Jesus, and we noticed from there, sort of sprung this... Uh, this sermon, this, um, uh, this long speech that Jesus had, and we believe that this was possibly the last uh, public sermon that Jesus uh, was going, is going to give here in the temple and uh, before his uh, death on the cross. And he starts it off by saying, remember, the hour, my hour has come. Uh, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he talks about, uh, you know, talking to, again, talking to the crowd, uh, the last time he's going to have, you know, an audience to speak to, a great uh, audience, and he's, you know, he's telling them, commit to me, right, commit to me, God will honor you, and uh, at this time as well, we were told that, you know, Jesus' soul was troubled, uh, because he knows what's going to happen here in the next few days, and something also interesting happened uh, at this event as well that we often forget about, and God spoke to uh, Jesus. His voice was audible, and, and that was the third time that that's happened, we, we've noticed, uh, at Jesus' baptism, at the transfiguration, and then at this event, uh, God speaks and says, uh, yes, I am going to glorify, your, glorify my name, and it will continue to be glorified, and as we sort of finish out that, that chapter, we notice Jesus talking about how he was going to be lifted up, and that he was going to draw all men to himself uh, signifying his death, uh, being hung on the cross, but also uh, being exalted. You know, there's sort of a, a double meaning to that phrase th that he said there, that he was going to be lifted up. And of course, the, the, the Jews, those who are listening, uh, they, the, again, they just could not understand, right? They could not understand uh, how could the Messiah uh, that they've been waiting for for so long uh, be this Jesus if Jesus is going to die. And so they were, uh, again, uh, confused uh, to that as well. And so um, we're told at the conclusion of that sermon that he gave that there were some who believed, uh, but there were also many who believed, but because of fear of the Jewish leaders, uh, they would not confess him. Right? And so at that point, Jesus went, and we're told, and he hid himself. He went away and hid himself. And uh, so we're going to notice here what happens next. And again, um, this is one of those chapters that we really need to stop and focus in on a little bit because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of controversy following this chapter. And uh, we w so we want to take some time to uh, look at that. 
So we're going to notice that Jesus is going to leave the temple here as we begin our, our, our reading. Uh, he's going to leave the temple for the last time, never to return. Uh, and that's, that's quite a statement, right? That the, glo- the glory of God in the flesh is going to be leaving this, uh, this glorious structure uh, that the Jews um, you know, thought so much of, and he's going to be leaving it for the last time. And it's a sad moment especially based on what he's going to say here in a moment. And so, again, uh, the next few lessons are going to be sur- uh, surrounded uh, about Matthew chapter 24, and this really is going to be sort of an introductory lesson. We'll see how much we can get through uh, here the, this evening. And again, there's much confusion about this chapter in the religious world, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. Um, but it's important that we understand the context of the situation and also the questions that are being asked. And so uh, let's, let's notice, what I'd like to do is read uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, the beginning portion of these verses, just to, again, get the context of what's going on here. Uh, every, each one of them has a little nuance that we just want to notice here. So if you're in Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, let's look at the first three verses. So it says, Jesus came out from the temple... And was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple building to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. And as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? So we got a little bit of a a, a different description there. We got some new information. And then one more. Uh, Let's turn to Luke 21. And we'll notice what Luke says, uh, starting in verse 5. Luke 21, starting in verse 5. And while some were talking about the temple, that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said, As for these things which you are looking at, the days will come in which there will be not left one stone upon another which will not be torn down. They questioned him, saying, Teacher, when therefore will these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Okay, so I'm going to go back to Matthew's account. We'll stay here most of the evening. Uh, but let's, uh, again, f- verse 1 there, Matthew 24, sets the scene for us. Jesus is leaving the temple. And apparently as they're leaving the temple complex, you know, the, the, the disciples are admiring the, just the, the beauty of the temple. Um, you know, we read in Mark that they were pointing out the wonderful stones. Uh, Luke told us that he, they mentioned the beautiful stones and the offerings or you know, the votive gifts. And so 
They're just marveling at the temple as they are walking out of it. And again, this was a place that the Jews were extremely, extremely proud of. I was trying to think earlier of, you know, uh, in the United States, you know, what is sort of our, you know, the, the thing that, uh, you know, if we could travel anywhere in the United States, you know, instantly, uh, you know, where would we go? Where would we take somebody and show them what we were proud of? And I, I don't know, you know maybe um, the Statue of Liberty, maybe the Washington Monument. I don't know, one of those things, Mount Rushmore, maybe. Uh, but none of those things compared to how much the Jews, uh, you know, respected the temple, right? This was God's house. This was so important to them. Test your knowledge here tonight. How many temples, uh, how many different temples uh, do we read about in the scripture from, you know, the Old Testament to the New Testament? Or maybe I should word it a different way. Um, how many times was the temple, uh, I guess, built and then destroyed and then built back up? How many versions of the temple were there? Okay, we begin with Solomon's temple, right? He, he built the first uh, temple there. Uh, you know, da David wanted to build it. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, D David wanted to build the original temple, didn't he? Uh, but God told him no, and so Solomon built that temple, and it was, you know, just an amazing, amazing temple. Um, but eventually it's going to be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar as the, the Jews go on into captivity, and so when the Jews return from captivity 70 years later, uh, they're going to rebuild the temple, right? And this is often, this, this is the second temple that's often referred to as, you know, Zerubbabel's temple. Uh, but it's during that time of Ezra, Nehemiah, that they build up the temple. But is it as glorious as Solomon's temple? No. It's not, is it? I remember some of the, the older men weep when they see it because, uh, um, you know, possibly because it just didn't, uh, hold up to the, the previous temple. So there's the second temple, but it's going to be destroyed again during, some, during the intertestamental period, you know, that time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then it's going to be built up back again uh, around 20 BC by Herod. And so uh, Herod the Great. And so this is often referred to the third temple as Herod's temple. And uh, this is the temple that's being constructed, you know, during... Uh, the life of Jesus, and it's going to be, again, from uh, right around 20 B.C. when they start till 70 A.D. when it's going to be destroyed for the final time. And again, it is this is a massive place. Right? I, I read today that the, the temple complex was some 20 acres of land. Uh, it could accommodate up to 200,000 people at a time. Uh, Josephus, who was one of those uh, historians at the time, a Jewish historian, said some of these stones that they built the temple out of was, uh, had a length of 38 feet and a height of 12 feet and a width of 18 feet, right? Just one of these stones. And so we're talking about a major, major, you know, massive uh, complex. And uh, it was said that he who has not seen the temple of Herod has never seen a beautiful building. And it was also... I was, we were also told that the nickname of this temple was the Eye of the World, right? It was just something of beauty, something, um, you know, one of these wonders of the world. And uh, Christ here says in verse 1 and 2, as they are admiring how beautiful it is, Jesus says, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another 
which will not be torn down. So what's he talking about there? What's he, what's he talking about? Yeah, so he's talking about 70 AD. He's talking about uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, and that's kind of going to be the theme of the next couple of classes. Now, he has brought up the destruction of Jerusalem uh, a couple of times uh, in his ministry, uh, but the, it's been very veiled. Um, uh, <clears throat> there was the parable that we looked at a couple of weeks ago uh, where he talks about how the king was going to set his city on fire. And uh, we, we, we noticed, uh, you know, Jesus saying a couple of times, you know, your house to the Jews, your house is going to be left desolate. And, you know, this isn't the first time that he said that not one stone is going to be left upon another. And so, you know, if you're one of Jesus' disciples, if you're a Jew at that time, and, you know, you're looking at this great uh, temple, you're probably thinking, you know, how is this going to happen? How are the stones of this size going to be toppled to the ground? Again, the glory of Israel, the house of God being destroyed, it just probably it didn't sink in with them. They, they probably didn't understand this. And uh, Jesus here, uh, no longer speaking in veiled terms, he comes right out with it and says, basically, you know, it's going to be a complete destruction. Again, not one stone here will be left upon uh, another. Um, it's, if you were to travel uh, to Israel, uh, to this uh, uh, area today, uh, you still see the stones there, uh, you know, toppled over, um, you know, broken, maybe into pieces. Uh, some of the, some of them are still there uh, again, but they're, you know, again, they're they're not set up in the temple, but they've, you know, been knocked over, uh, just as uh, Jesus said here. And so, we're going to talk about AD seventy, uh, what happens in AD seventy, uh, but you know, thinking of it in the grander scheme, you know, what was the purpose? Of eighty seventy, uh, you know what, what's going to happen, and why is it going to happen? Yeah, it's the, Jerusalem, uh, the temple, they're going to be destroyed, right? And it's uh, it's it's um, a punishment uh, for sin, right? The punishment of the Jewish people uh, that that this is all going to happen, and so. Here's what we really need to focus in on. Verse 3 is very important for us because it now says that he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. So they've moved on to the Mount of Olives, uh, sort of got up higher elevation. They're looking towards the temple. And the disciples came to him privately. And again, we just read that Mark's account said that uh, there were four of the apostles, uh, Peter, James, Andrew, and John. Uh, they come to him privately and they ask him uh, these series of questions. Again, tell us when will these things happen? Right, referring to these stones being uh, knocked over. And what will be the sign of your coming? And the end of the age. Do you think they're probably uh, thinking that all of these things are going to happen at the same time? In, in their minds? I think so. Uh, in, in their minds, that all of these things are going to happen at the same time. When, when the when you know Jesus comes, uh, that that you know the temple is going to be destroyed, the end of the world is going to come. All of these things are on their mind, and so um, you know that's probably what's going on here. And so um, you know again, but but remember, remember, they think that something 
the, the Messiah's return, the Christ's return, again, is something physical. Uh, they don't have in mind the, the spiritual aspect of Christ's kingdom. Again, when, when they hear the end of the age, when will be the end of the age, they're probably thinking about when are you going to put an end to the Roman Empire, right? The Roman political system that is suppressing us as much as it, as it is. And so to answer these questions, you know, he, he's going to have um, a lot to say here. And uh, again, that's why we need to be careful as we study Matthew chapter 24, because he's going to talk about two major events. He's going to talk about the destruction of Jerusalem, and he's also going to talk about uh, the, his actual second coming. And he's addressing both of those questions that he's being asked. But again, the disciples, when they're asking this, they probably think this is all happening at one time. Uh, but, but we'll notice as we uh, look at these next couple of classes that uh, he's going to delineate both of these questions out. And so, um, again, this is one of the most controversial discourses uh, in Scripture that Jesus gives, but it's also the longest one he gives uh, in the New Testament. And uh, we, we're going to notice uh, why this, uh, this uh, section is difficult, number uh, one, because uh, he's going to talk or use a lot of apocalyptic uh, language. Uh, what's apocalyptic language? Have you ever, ever read the book of Revelation? Yeah, Revelation is, is very coded. It's, it's very sign-oriented. And Jesus is going to talk a lot like that throughout this section. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, when you get to verse 29, he's going to say, uh, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky. Uh, he's drawing off um, Old Testament scriptures and he's giving them these uh, you know, coded messages. And so here, that's one reason why Matthew 24 is you know, one of the harder um, chapters in Scripture because he's going to talk in, in a little bit of an apocalyptic language, you know, and that's where we need to di distinguish you know, the, the figurative from the literal, um, just like in the book of Revelation, you know, just like in the book of Daniel. Uh, the Jews were very familiar with this. But are you and I? No, but we, don't, we don't write in that sort of uh, fashion. We don't read uh, in that sort of fashion. And so uh, that's why, um, again, there's a lot of, a lot of um, misunderstanding uh, uh, about this chapter. Uh, the second reason that Christ was answered, or why this is difficult, but we've already brought this up, is because he's answering a lot of different questions here. And... Uh, I just wanted to mention this uh, before we move forward. Uh, there are those in the religious world who uh, believe the entirety of Matthew chapter 24 is talking about the second coming. And you know, maybe you're familiar with this term premillennialism. Um, that's what they believe. They believe that none of these things in Matthew chapter 24 have come to pass, uh, that they won't come to pass until Jesus you know, returns to establish what they say is a, you know, an earthly kingdom and a thousand-year reign, right? And so uh, there are, and the majority of religious uh, or, uh, denominations, you know, they believe that. Um, you think of uh, maybe a name that you might be familiar with, Billy Graham, right, uh, of the, 
of the, of the Baptist denomination. Uh, he was one of the biggest proponents of this teaching. Uh, again, that, um, that everything in Matthew 24 has not come to pass. But on the flip side, there are those who believe that everything in Matthew chapter 24 is, has already come to pass. And you know, there's more of a technical term for that, but uh, they call it realized eschatology. And so they believe that Jesus has already returned, that Jesus has already uh, judged uh, the world. And so, um, so they, they look at Matthew chapter 24 and they say, well, everything in this chapter has come to pass. And, so, and we know that both of these uh, false doctrines have crept into the church. And so uh, we need to, again, understand uh, what's going on here so that uh, we don't fall into that as well. But if, uh, if you're someone who likes to, you know, mark in your Bibles, you know, I'd go ahead and find verse 35 and sort of put a line there and say, you know, basically everything from verse 4 to verse 35 is pertaining to the destruction of Jerusalem and everything from verse 36 to the end of the chapter, uh, Jesus is changing subjects and he's starting to talk about the second coming. And so we'll see that. Uh, in the next couple of classes uh, when we uh, talk about that. But really, we only have time tonight to look at verses 4 through 14. And Jesus here is going to discuss uh, the situation prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. And I know we're, we're, we're a little short on time tonight, so I'm trying to rush through this a little bit. But let's, let's look at verses 4 through 14. So it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. All right, so in this section, you know, Christ, he's uh, listing out here um, several of these sort of uh, non-signs, right? Uh, he says, um, you know, you're probably going to be looking for these things, but don't worry uh, when they happen. If someone told you that your house was going to be destroyed... Uh, what would you think every time, uh, you know, there was a major storm on the radar or maybe you hear a, a creak in the house? Um, you know, what are you thinking? <laughs> this is it, right? Uh, if someone told you that your house is going to be destroyed and, you know, you know a severe storm's coming or if uh, you, you, you hear your house make some sort of irregular noise, you might be starting to get worried, aren't you? That, as Ms. Helen said, uh, this is it, right? This is when the house is going to topple over. And so Christ here, he doesn't want his followers to get mes misled or get nervous, and so he's going to give them some of these non-signs, right? He says, um, 
there's going to be an emergence of false Christ. He warns, don't go after them. Right? People are going to rise up after my death, and they're going to say that you know, they're the Messiah, that they're the Christ. And, um, and that actually happened. Uh, the book of Acts actually records a couple of times uh, where that happens. Um, and I can give you those references later if you want to read that. You remember Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. You know, he referred to himself as the great power of God. Right? Here's another individual after Jesus' life who um, you know, put himself sort of on this pedestal. Uh, we don't know if he, re- if he referred to himself as uh, a Christ or not, but um, again, he says, don't follow any of those individuals who uh, make themselves out to be um, a, 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 the Christ. And then he said, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of war. Um, you know, the, the, the Roman Empire was very good at uh, distributing peace, right? There was this thing called the Pax Romana. They were very good at um, enforcing peace in the land. They wanted peace in the land, but of course, you know, they used their iron fists to uh, keep peace uh, going. But, you know, after Jesus' death, um, from that time forward, there's going to be a lot of revolting by the Jewish people, right? And so he says here, when you hear of wars, when you hear of rumors of war, again, this is not going to be the, the sign of uh, the destruction of Jerusalem. Has there been wars going on um, basically since the beginning of time, or at least in the modern day? Yeah, there's... Uh, the premillennialist will look at you know every war you know when when Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, you know they they said, well here it is right here here's a sign of the end of times because this war is about to happen, and you know it's going to result in nuclear war and um, and so you start hearing these rumors of war and so they are going to say well remember what Jesus said right uh, about those wars and rumors of war. But again, these things have been going on continuously. Um, And again, Jesus is not talking about his second coming in this section, is he? He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, He says natural disasters. Again, uh, natural disasters have been happening since uh, the beginning of time, right? Famines, he mentions, earthquakes. And he says these are all just birth pangs. Uh, What's a birth pang? If you're, if you're a woman, you know, and you're uh, with child, uh, you know, you might have uh, you know, uh, what, maybe a contraction or something to that effect where, uh-oh, it's, it's starting or uh, <clears throat> something to that effect. That's what Jesus is saying, right? These things, uh, the emergence of false Christ, these rumors of war, these natural disasters, this is not the real thing, but these are merely birth pangs. Uh, they're, they're merely... Um, the start of these things, right? And so then he says, what about, what, what about these things, right, uh, that Jesus is talking about? He says, when these things happen, don't think uh, that the time is upon you. Well, what, uh, what about these things tell us that, uh, you know, again, that he isn't talking about the end of time? Does the Bible teach that anyone will know uh, when he comes? Mm-hmm. 
Matter of fact, look at verse 36. I know we're jumping ahead. Uh, verse 36. Uh, again, this is the section where he's talking about the second coming. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. All right, so if uh, those who uh, you know, believe in uh, you know, this premillennialist doctrine, and uh, they talk about these rumors of war, or they talk about these false Christs or natural disasters, but yet Jesus says that uh, there's going to be no signs given, uh, that these things um, <clears throat> are not going to you know, point to those things, uh, that even Jesus himself does not know. Right? Again, the focus is that he's, de he's dealing with uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, not, not the end of time. Um, I think we're uh, about out of time uh, so we're going to have to uh, cover the, the remaining portion of this uh, Sunday morning as we jump into the, the, the following verses. Uh, but again, I know there's, there's so much here, right? Because Jesus is being asked these questions and he's answering it um, for us here. And uh, we, well, let's talk about this real quickly because... Obviously, I threw a lot of facts out tonight, and we really didn't get time to talk about some application. Um, but, you know why, why, you know, why did God choose to put this in Scripture? I mean, how is that going to help us today? What, what are some lessons that we can learn from uh, this account here this, this evening? Well, I guess we'll have to <laughs> wait till uh, Sunday morning to cover that, but I uh, appreciate uh, your attendance this evening, and again, we'll continue on in Matthew 24, uh, Sunday morning.